With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Okay, out of BC, across the nation, around the world, it's Left of the Valley with Kevin and Karen. Hi, Karen. Hello, Kevin. I did not butcher your name yet again. It's like three shows in a row. Yay! Yay! And uh, we got a great show. We got a lot of things going on here today. Um, and uh, we got our uh, great guests. Uh, we got uh, returning to us, our champion from uh, the homeless cause, we got Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hey, how you doing? Hey, guys. Glad you're here. You're almost like a regular now. Glad to be here. What I'd like to know is how do you butcher Karen's name? Like, what could oh. you possibly do? Like, do you call her Jim? Like, what do you do? No, no, I, I, I don't know. I just went... Special talent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Special, special talent. Okay. <laughs> and of course, as, as well, uh, today, uh, um, the guy has got to actually lead on the show is our good friend, Liam. Hi, Liam. Hello. Today he's going to be leading on the show, and we're talking today about the power of words. Yeah. Right. Well, we're not going to get into that right away. Uh, we've got a few things we got to do first, and now uh, I guess we should get into that. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to go. We actually got the mail. I know. <laughs> now I got a few little pieces of mail I, I want to share with you guys here. Uh, the first one was for actually uh, the people like Cause Tracy. Uh, saying that... Uh, Tracy Lister? Yes, Tracy Lister that was with us uh, in our last episode. She's a founding member of the Citizens Against Urban Sprawl Society. That's right. And uh, thank you, Kevin and Liam, for having us on the show, because Karen, in the meantime, was uh, gone somewhere else, and we're not sure where. Where were you? I was in Quinnell. It's not that exciting. No, that's not it. No, I, you were in the beer festival. Here. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, that was really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mission yeah. Springs Brewing, great beer festival. I hope they repeat it. It was really worthwhile. Yeah, it was. It was obviously uh, you were on some kind of mission, right? Yes. I yeah. Cover. What did you find? Anything interesting? 
lots of beer. Okay. Well, let's cut that real <laughs> And uh, after that, I got this uh, also this uh, message here from Jeff. Jeff, look at that. You were right here, and you were, you actually uh, sent me an email as well, thanking us and all that. And then you did something Aww. really, really nasty. Uh-oh. Yeah, after that, he, said, he writes, <laughs> Uh-oh. Hey, guys, I just got a call from the CBC about after li- uh, so listening to your show and the CBC <laughs> call. Do you want to explain yourself on that? Oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> because after that, he just admitted to me, no, no, that was just a joke, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I guess. <laughs> yeah, what I what I think I said was uh, thanks for the um, thanks for the promotion because shortly after appearing on your show, I got called by them. But yeah, that was uh, that is they cruel. weren't they weren't connected. They and weren't here connected. I thought we had like five listeners, including <laughs> <laughs> the CBC. So so you did go on the CBC. <clears throat> yeah, they wanted to uh, I guess just get an update on uh, the uh, the public meeting that we had on Thursday, and talked a little bit about that. And thankfully they advertised it, and it was actually kind of neat because I met a couple people at the town hall meeting that heard about it from the radio show so that oh, was pretty cool excellent that yeah. worked well for you yeah oh cool good oh, I'm glad this, this went well and uh, people can find that in the archives of the CBC it's yeah they, they are, the uh, yeah, the show's on there some five or ten minute show not, not, not that big a thing but um, the the, uh, the town hall went well there was about a hundred uh, folks that came out from, uh, from Abbotsford lots of questions and hopefully we answered them to their satisfaction oh good good stuff yeah. I would have went there too but I have a face for radio and I don't have a face for <laughs> It was radio. It was television. <laughs> we will be having we will be having another public event probably uh, in mid September. So we'll we'll let everybody know about that as well. Beautiful. Yeah. That's another step along the the forward progress <coughs> towards the the uh, Abbey Diggs Village. Yeah, it's going to be. Um, this is actually the, the the one that was on Thursday was hosted by the city. The next one's going to be hosted by Abbotsford Dignitarian Society. It'll have a little bit of a different format. We're going to have a presentation. Hopefully, we'll have one of our cabins there to show everybody what what oh, that'll look like nice. too. Nice. Yeah. So so stay tuned. We'll keep you guys up to updated on something like that. But well, let's go in our segment. Okay. It's all yours. Okay. This day in history. Um, this day. Jeez. Never mind. August 30th. <laughs> 30 hey BC. Cleopatra, It'll be that kind of show, I think. Cleopatra commits suicide. Oh, really? Aww. Yeah. Um. On September 3rd, 1783, the Treaty of Paris is signed by the United States, Great Britain, Spain, and France to end the American Revolution. So 13 colonies formerly of Great Britain become independent. Boundaries agreed on were Florida, north to the Great Lakes, and the Atlantic coast west to the Mississippi River. Hmm. Um, On August 31st, 1887, Thomas Edison received a patent for the kinetoscope and uh, moving pictures... Uh, they weren't exactly born at that moment. That was a big step forward, but um, I just wanted to elaborate on this one a bit. Thomas Edison, he applied for the patent. He received the patent. He took the credit for creating the the uh, kinetoscope, which is an early form of a motion picture machine. He but was a shameless self-promoter. Yes, well, the thing is, he actually gave the job to his assistant, William Dixon, gave him the idea of what he wanted and said, you go create this, which William Dixon did. And uh, he was the one who turned the concept into a reality. He's the one who's now mostly given credit for creating this. But because Edison owned the lab and it was a collaborative lab, he took all the credit for anything that came out of it, even though he may have had very little to do with it. So I guess this is a lesson here. Even if you try to fool people, eventually uh, history will judge you for what you really are. Yeah, and it wasn't like it was just coming out of his lab either. In France, Edison had met uh, an inventor named Etienne Jules 
Murray, I think his name was, uh, he had already developed the, the concept of using a roll of film to create um, moving pictures as opposed to like a, a drum, which is what had been used before. And Eastman Company had already, was inventing celluloid film. So really, uh, William Dixon put all these things together and cool. made the final product. And uh, this day in history, uh, August 30th, 1962, Trinidad and Tobago gained independence from Great Britain. And finally, in 1967, Thurgood Marshall becomes the first African-American Supreme Court Justice in the United States. So his, his big deal was in 1954, he had won a case called Brown versus the Board of Education of Topeka. Um, that He won that case by arguing that the separation, separate but equal principle of segregated schools was unconstitutional. So that was his... Uh, big moment in his career as a lawyer, and then from there he was appointed by JFK to become the Supreme Court Justice. And that's all I got. That's all you got. Well, that's good enough already. Yeah. All right. Now, people, have you ever wondered about the power of words? About what they mean? <coughs> Liam, <laughs> well, I'm sure you've thought about this once yeah, or twice. Yeah, quite, quite a lot, actually. So this is the theme of our show today. We're going to discuss... What words really mean? So, <laughs> uh, in being skeptical, a lot of the times you come across a word that you think means one thing but is being used in a totally different way. Um, so we're kind of going to discuss definitions and the power to mislead that using the wrong definition for a word can have. Um, <laughs> so I think we're going to start off with a very, very common one, theory. Um Probably all of you have heard theory misused horrendously. Yeah, actually, I'm talking a bit about that in my rant later on. Yeah, so when people... As in, as in when uh, uh, creationists would say, well... Evolution, evolution is, is only a theory. A theory. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, people often use theory to mean hypothesis. Um, if you have a theory, that means it has been tested and tested and tested and found to be true. And the reason that we call it a theory and not a fact is that if we discover new data, something new comes to light, we'll change what we thought, whereas a fact does not change. Um, so you're essentially saying it's a bit like looking at the dictionary, you realize <coughs> one word will have several definitions to it, but people, when it comes to theory, they just look at that one theory that basically means uh, an educated guess, a hunch. That's but a that's hypothesis. That's not even I a, know. Theory. Not a theory. It's I know. just a word that's misunderstood and misused. If you look in the dictionary, the scientific definition for theory is not an educated No, guess. but I'm talking like the, the casual, everyday definition. And that'll be three or four down, so you have to look for that yes. one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think, it, I don't think it's uh, accurate to um, position theory as subordinate to fact. Uh, they're quite different. In fact, um, a lot of scientists would say facts by themselves are quite um, power, powerless yeah. and useless, whereas theories actually are, are frameworks by which you can make mm-hmm. predictions and actually that's do work and accomplish things. They're, they're much more powerful than, than simple yeah. facts. Getting into our second definition, fact, and uh, in science, a fact is an observation. It doesn't have any explanation tied to it. It's just what you observed. Right. And so by itself, it doesn't tell you much of anything right. because it's just a, a point form, this is what it was. It doesn't tell you why. Right. A, a theory is an explanation as to why that is. So I observed um, that this show was a great show, and that's a fact, right? No, because that's subjective. <laughs> <laughs> no? You said no? But then is it a fact for you? Like, we all have no. our... We all have our no. Right, right, right. I was I was setting you up there. That's a softball. That's a softball. 
You guys, so, all, okay. you guys all fired. So the observation or the fact would be perhaps that you have a hole in the foot of your sock or the bottom of your sock, and that is only an observation, but then you have to formulate your theory as to... No, no, you formulate a hypothesis, a hypothesis which is our third definition. Hypothesis as to why that hole is there. A hypothesis is a proposition about why something might be. So you start with an observation. I observed there's a hole in my sock. Um, and then your hypothesis is a possible explanation. It doesn't have any data behind it. It's just what might be the reason. It might be the reason that you know a rat chewed a hole in my sock. It might be that I walked on something really abrasive. They're all hypotheses. And then as you do further testing, you can figure out if one of them gets elevated to theory because everything agrees with it. Okay. So why do you have a hole in your sock? I don't. Well, besides the one that was designed to be there so I could put my foot in. Um, <laughs> yeah, all, right. all, all socks need at least one hole, right? Yeah. Otherwise, they're, what are they? A b- a b- Just a little bag? That's cool. By the way, <laughs> they're useless. Liam and Jeff are here to Thursday. Liam <laughs> on their show at... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> okay, now our fourth one will be law. Now... A common misconception is that if a theory is tested enough times, it will become a law. That is not at all the case. Uh, A law is like a fact, but an overriding fact that applies to everything. So like the law of gravity. Um, Gravity isn't something that you would only observe in in one circumstance. It applies to everything in existence, right? Mm -hmm. So we call it the law of gravity because it's a set of rules that apply to everything. But there's no explanation involved. It's Mm -hmm. just this is the way things behave, not why they behave that way. So it's an observation, but not just a specific observation. It's one that applies to all... Well, the, the dictionary says, a statement or a relation or sequence of phenomena invariable under the same conditions. Okay. So, it, more widespreading than a simple. Yes, yeah. I didn't understand a word of what you guys said. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man, game over, man. It's game over. <laughs> <laughs> what about words that aren't even really? They shouldn't even be words. They are words, but they shouldn't be words. I'll give you an example. Evolutionism. Uh, yeah. Now that's a word, but <clears throat> it's not a word used by scientists. It's a word that's been created, I think, and adopted by people that want to try to demean it. Or things like mm-hmm. scientism. I mean, you don't see, you don't hear those words used in the scientific community. No. They're used in political realms. Or there's there's kind of two ways you can get a word. You can get a word because <clears throat> you observe something that you need a name for, or you can get a word because it's slang and becomes adopted as Col- being colloquial a real word. colloquial yeah. usage. Yeah. So. It's words like scientism or something that's used often enough that dictionaries recognize they exist, right. but don't necessarily have a good definition tied to them. But they, but when you have a word and it's recognized by a dictionary, it gives it sort of a sense of credibility, yeah. which I don't know if it always should. Just because a bunch of idiots use a word... Doesn't make it a good word. It doesn't yeah. lend credibility to the concept of it. And I, I don't know, That's those are two that really bother me. I yeah. think that brings up a good point in that I think uh, people in general, but certainly people who are talking about scientific... Uh, ideas should be very careful in their language because a word like that, like Darwinism, that is right. a, it's an invented word that is just used to cause doubt or or so discredit. Well, wait a minute. But You're saying they're trying to cause doubt? <laughs> but if you just uh, if you if we are more careful that about what we say, you just completely ignored me. Careful about what we say, then that gives less ground for people to to. Uh, 
to take those words and and uh, yes. and and create confusion. I can think of a couple instances where like Richard Dawkins has referred to himself as an evolutionist. Yes. So even though that's not really a good word because he's using it, it does give a certain credibility to it. Yes. You know? We should send him an email about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm sure Richard will get over that right away. Yeah. <laughs> he's appearing on the show next week, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, we're working on that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the next one uh, applies directly to evolution, actually, and that is fittest. Now, in, in it, survival yeah, of survival of the <laughs> fittest, people all the time when they say that they think survival of the biggest, strongest individual. And that is not at all what it means. The fittest is the best adapted to survive. Fittest for a certain environment. So if you're living in an, in an environment where to be a thin, weak computer nerd is the best <laughs> thing for you to survive, then that is the definition of the fittest for that environment. You were looking right? at Jeff when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is not a thin, no. weak computer nerd. <laughs> but it, it's just the fittest has nothing to do with your, your physical condition. It's all to do with whether or not you're adapted to survive in your environment. So therefore, uh, environmental changes are usually what is at the base of the mutation that promote not not mutation, but it does change what's selected. Okay, okay, it, it will it will change and it will be at the base of environmental uh, sort of not environmental. I mean evolution. Yeah. So uh, it's usually a change in the environment that will promote this. There's kind a, of a theory, punctuated equilibrium, it's called, where. As long as the environment doesn't change, very little evolution goes on. But as soon as a massive environmental change occurs, you have a period of very rapid evolution because all the, the previous top animals die and new ones can fill their niches where previously they would have been killed off. What, what's the name of the guy who's the biggest advocate of that theory? I don't know. Oh, okay, we'll find it. Just call me Squid. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that was a little quote from... Uh, call me Squid? <laughs> from That's rapidly evolved. Yes. That's from, from Ice Age Yes, too. Ice Age <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Well, that, that was a reference right there. We just crashed the show. Anyway, go ahead, Liam. I'll just keep quiet now. Well, he, Jeff is finding a name for us. Don't wait for me. This yeah, could take a while. Yeah, okay. I'm not a skinny computer geek. I don't even know how to use this <laughs> thing. <a> radio. <laughs> okay. So then we get into statistical significance. Um, this is one that is kind of an out-of-the-hat definition, but I do hear it misused a lot, so I, I decide to include it. Um, whenever you do a statistical analysis, um, you can observe something and then think that it's just chance, right? The, you'll have a bunch of random results that you kind of have to discredit because they're equal to being just a chance occurrence there's not necessarily any connection between what you're testing for and this result because it could be just chance. So when you say something is statistically significant, that means that you've observed it at a rate greater than that given to chance. So it, it has occurred enough that you can say that actually happened because of what I'm testing for, um, and it wasn't just a chance occurrence. Right. Being statistically significant doesn't make it terribly important or, or statistically relevant, so to speak, because you know it could just be like the tiniest fraction of a percent greater than chance. So often people will say, "Oh, there's a statistically significant you know occurrence that happened that means that this is wrong," but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing or totally wrong. Or it doesn't just, discredit your it's particular just detectable. Hypothesis. All you're saying is that you can detect that it's there, not that it's having a big impact. Right. But I have heard, certainly heard that used. There's a s s statistically significant uh, amount of 
X, and therefore your hypothesis is discredited. But Even though it could be like one part that, per million yeah, or something. Yeah, it might mean nothing at all, right? And the, it uh, just has to be recorded by the scientist mm-hmm. as something that did happen, and you've taken note of it. And uh, when they talk about statistical chance, they're talking one in six, right? Is chance? Yeah, well, it depends on what you're testing for, No, I mean for, the right? usual chance. Usual, I mean, yeah, but... Yeah, it's about one in six, right? I don't know. I don't know what you mean. It depends entirely on what you're, you're testing. You're playing dice. Yeah. yeah, if you're playing <laughs> dice. <laughs> Stephen Jay Gould was the paleontologist that I was thinking oh, about. Oh, yeah. In 72, he wrote the paper Punctuated Equilibria with uh, Niles Eldridge. What, when did he die? You guys remember that? I do not, not know. Not too long ago. It's not long ago. He was, uh-huh. he was even in featured in The Simpsons at one time, so... Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of knowledge I have. Yeah. <laughs> you got Liam there with his great knowledge, and the kind of knowledge I have... Woo-hoo. I know right. about the Simpsons. We made an Ice Age reference. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. May 20th, 2002, at the age of 60. Very young. Oh, yeah. that's sad. And who else just recently passed? Was it Attenborough, the gentleman that does yes, all... Yes, and Richard so did uh, Victor Stanger. Uh, Stanger? Yeah. Really? Yeah, like uh, two days ago, not even. He must be pretty young, too. I can't believe he's... He must Stanger? be the 60s. No, no, no. He's, uh, he's, he's up there in age. Oh, is he? Yeah. Wow. It's too bad we're losing a lot of heavyweights. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry, Liam, we're stopping okay. your segment So, um, the next ones are also huge ones. Um, quantum and quantum <laughs> physics. I was waiting for this. <laughs> Some oh. of my favorites. You got a Deepak Chopra drop there by any chance? You know what? I'm going to look for that. <laughs> I am so going to look for that. So, you guys talking, I'll look okay. for that. So okay. Can I just have, before you say that, okay. so we were, Liam and I were having a conversation the other day, and he's like, well, quantum, do you know what quantum <laughs> means? And I opened my mouth thinking, of course I know what quantum means. And then when I started thinking about it, I just closed my mouth again because I actually had no clue what quantum actually means. Not not many people seem to know what quantum means. Um, now, uh, quantum kind of has two definitions that are relevant to us. Um, the first one is its dictionary definition, having to do with values, or, or a quantum is a value. Um, so... If I were to to use that in ordinary conversation, I could have a, a quantum of a certain product or something. A and, quantum of flour. And so in, in physics, that's important because on a, a classical physics level, uh, some some things, particularly light, are seen as a, cons- a constant value. It's it's just a continual flow, a wave. Um, but then when you look at it on a, a very small scale, as in quantum physics, you realize that it's made of particles or, or photons. Uh, mm-hmm. units of light, so to speak. And so you say that you have quantized light because you have divided it from a, a constant flow into a bunch of discrete units that can't be further divided. Right. Um, so that gave the name to quantum physics um, because they realized that on a small scale, some things are made of tiny quanta, so they called it quantum physics. But quantum physics does not only deal with quanta. It deals with anything smaller than an atom. Um so if I say that you know quantum physicists are doing this, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with quantizing. It's just on a small scale. Mm-hmm. So very often, as with Deepak Chopra, people will throw quantum in there because it sounds cool and gives them some credibility. Yeah, um, I, I just pulled up the uh, what they call the uh, the, um, the random Deepak Chopra quote generator. Yes, which is just fun. fun. I just got one here. Should I do the accent? Does he have a? He has, he's got. A, I have no idea. Quantum physics meditate on karmic observations. <laughs> See, so that's just beautiful. Because there is a, a certain 
uncertainty involved with quantum physics. Uh, lots of New Age types, as Deepak Chopra, like to seize on it as a justification for their wacko belief. The human um, nervous system is at the heart of mortal reality. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so it's important you can kind of check it through your mind. Does using quantum in that way actually make sense? In most cases, it won't. Yeah, this, is a, this is a really interesting quote by um, Richard Feynman. This is all I know about quantum physics. If you think you understand quantum mechanics, you don't understand quantum mechanics. Richard Feynman. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I also like this one, another one from Deepak. Evolution arises and subsides in unparalleled silence. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I, I just got to receive more of this. Uh, <laughs> didn't we see um, Richard Dawkins debating Deepak Chopra? Yeah, there is like, a debate. And yeah, Deepak Chopra just went on and on about all these quantum things, and then at the end, they, someone asked Dawkins his response, and he's like, I have no clue what he said. <laughs> like, it didn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he debated that. Also, I think he debated Lawrence Krauss, too, I think. If, if you ever get a chance uh, on this exact topic with Deepak Chopra, uh, there was a uh, debate. It was on Nightline. It was Sam Harris. It was, um, uh, what's the other guy's name? Who's the guy that uh, the big uproar on the Facebook? Richard Dawkins. No, on our Facebook that we were going to bring him in. He was invited in, but there was that Richard uh, Carrier. No, that controversy about that um, one atheist speaker. I can't. I can't get his name. I can't remember either. It'll come to us anyway. Anyway, Sam Harris and him were debating uh, Deepak Chopra and a couple other people, and Deepak went into this whole quantum mechanics stuff with uh, consciousness and non-locality. He was just throwing words around, and it actually sounded quite poetic, but it was very confusing. And then a question came from the audience, and the guy's name was Leonard Mladnow, and he is a particle physicist. And um, And then the interviewer asked him, does it make any sense? What uh, Do you understand what um, Deepak just said? And his answer was something like, well, I understand what all the words mean that he said, but I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it, was, it was very comical. If you ever get a chance, uh, look for that interview. It was really yeah. funny. <laughs> so, go ahead. So, quantum. So, be wary of quantum. <laughs> be wary of quantum. Yes. So, uh, we were also discussing this earlier, and it seems like quantum physics should have properly been renamed subatomic physics yeah, or, or something physics like that. Physics of very small things. Yes, um. but but it didn't get renamed, and now everyone's confused. Well, I, I think part of the reason is quantum sounds cool. Hmm. Um, people like to use quantum because it makes them sound smart, uh, but... In most cases, if I say a, a quantum X or a quantum Y, it's really just referring to it being very small. It has mm -hmm. nothing to do with quantization or separating it into small values, which is kind of why it has two definitions. There's Man, the was just small on, values. I was just the, on the verge of finally understanding that old show, Quantum Leap. Well, I, was I was gonna say, what about Quantum Leap? That's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. So Quantum Leap has, had That's nothing wrong. to do totally with being That's quantum or anything. So it's a small That's big leap. <laughs> That's another. Um, kind of use that became accepted because people used it that way, but not because it was actually the definition. So yeah. a, a quantum leap is the only time that you can use quantum to mean big, yeah, yeah. and it has nothing to do with the definition of quantum. I think it, I have a theory that they use quantum so much because the letter Q is so unused <laughs> in everyday life, unless you're French. Uh, so actually, they, they, Kevin, you just needed a word. You have a hypothesis. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> we have to be more careful. Yeah. Say things. <laughs> okay, so then carrying on. I, I I like including this one. Um, science. 
Now, you probably <laughs> all think you know what science is, but, like, Mom, what's science? Um, <laughs> that is the study of, of, of observe, or maybe the see <laughs> study of observable so phenomenon and how to and trying to explain them. That's my that's my. Uh, you just been put on the spot there. <laughs> okay, Jeff, your turn. Yeah. Well, I I would say I would say it's a methodology. It's a, it's an approach. That's what that's what a I would scientific say. Scientific approach. Science? Yeah, it's it's a way of it's a way of determining truth. It's a it's a method by which we. That would be uh, the scientific method. Um, science itself is just the systematic study of the physical world through observation and experimentation. I'd like to point out that he didn't even turn to ask me that. He just no. thought, I'll ask the, the guys who actually <laughs> have a chance of answering. He just said, Kevin, no way. So it's not going to happen. Science is, is the idea that you can observe reality and then notice patterns and learn about it through that observation. Um which you know seems kind Isn't of. Isn't that what I said? Kind of. Sort oh. of. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty common sense when you think about it, and people have been scientists without knowing it since as long as they've asked questions. But now we kind of have to differentiate because there's all kinds of people who would like to come to a conclusion and then just find some facts to back them up afterwards, and so we need to to really notice the the flow of observation then experimentation to find your knowledge as opposed to decide what you're going to find mm-hmm. then uh, you know search for observations that back you up mm-hmm. I, I, I personally like what uh, Bill Nye said about science he says the best idea we ever had mm-hmm. uh, well I think there's I think a lot of our um, our uh, uh, Christian friends or religious friends try to create a false equivalency between their worldviews and their dogmas uh, with science and just saying, well, it's just another way to see the world. It's just, you know, we've got the Christian worldview and we've got the scientific worldview. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's just a couple different ways of looking at things, which is really unfair, I think, to science. The only way that you could do that and be legitimate is if you say that observation is not a good way of coming to truth and that by seeing things, you don't actually prove that they're there. Right. Um, which, you know, although that kind of sounds good on paper, uh, in the real world, you will not get anything done if you refuse to accept what your senses tell you. Right. Um, well, unless you're a brain in the mat. Unless you live in <laughs> some that, kind of matrix, right? The the whole oh, issue no. with that, though... That's way too <laughs> yeah, quantum. Yeah, I'm getting quantum here. <laughs> Where's my generator? Where's the, the my The issue with generator? that is that as a brain in the vat, you're still living in the vat world, right? And so what you observe in the VAT world will be what affects you every day. And so knowing about that will actually let's be important not, to you. Let's not get into that. <laughs> I'm going to call Matt Dillahunty on you. He'll give you a, give okay. you a piece of his mind on that. <laughs> you reminded me of something that uh, one of my, I don't know, elementary school science teachers told me about when you said that, that people have a tendency to ha- decide that they have a, a hypothesis and then look for facts to back that up. He he was telling us about the discovery of penicillin and how it was actually some other scientific experience kind of gone awry and this guy just was observing so carefully that he saw that particular mold and knew it wasn't supposed to be there and, and instead of just throwing it out and saying, okay, this experiment didn't work, he just went with that particular mold and discovered penicillin. So uh, it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, There's been a lot of accidental discoveries. Teflon is another good one. No. Sticky notes? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, uh, 3M at 3M they were trying to create the super glue, and then when they're going through all these experiments, they found one that didn't quite work, and so the guy said, "Hey, we could do this with it." And they, they they came out with sticky notes. It was it was a failed glue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. there was also well, the same thing with the uh, the, w- the windshield. You know, white cracks it doesn't shatter and glass mm-hmm. all over. And yeah. a, there's a coating of plastic, and that was discovered. Actually, I forget the name of the guy, but he dropped his beaker. 
and it fell on the floor, but it, it cracked, but it didn't shatter, right? And that's how, the, how that compound was discovered. Cool. Cal- calcium carbide is another one uh, to use to produce acetylene. The, they were looking to make an insulator, but it didn't work, so they threw it all in the river, and then it produced acetylene gas, and the river caught on fire. <laughs> wow, that was spectacular. That's well, cool. There's also uh, Viagra. That was an accident? It okay, was. you know what? I don't even want to know how they found out that one by accident. By, by, they, were, they, were, they were trying to uh, create a, uh, a medicine for high blood pressure. And they had the side effect of... <laughs> wow. Right, wow. Jeff? <laughs> Jeff and I know about this, right, Jeff? Well, that's what they told me during the testing. <laughs> yeah, we know about this stuff. <laughs> Michael, right. Sh- Michael Shermer was the name I was struggling for before. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, uh... Leaving Viagra, going back yeah. to, <laughs> to science. So, so we get to our, our kind of final one, which is scientific method, uh, which is the quite a strict method for how you go through things to discover what is true. Um, and <coughs> it uses most of our other uh, definitions. definitions we've come up with. Yes, definitions. Where you, you start with an observation, you see something, you wonder why that happens. And so you then hypothesize, you come up with what might be a reason, you experiment, record your observations during your experiments, and if your hypothesis agrees with the new observations, then it has a greater chance of being true. And if it doesn't agree, you discard it. It was wrong. And you try another hypothesis. (laughs) And uh, eventually, if you do enough testing and rigorous enough testing, you can decide that your hypothesis is likely enough to be true that it's a theory. And you continue testing until it gets to the point where some theories are hardly even questioned because they've been tested so many times that we're fairly certain they're the truth. Right. I think uh, that's an important point. That's actually one of the strengths of science is that if people who, scientists, look at their data and they decide, you know, that, okay, this isn't right and we can discard it and we can take new information and we can make new observations... Where you know a lot of religious people think that's a weakness, and they say, "Oh, look, science is wrong." They thought that was right, but they were proved wrong. And look at that—they just they just don't know anything. But but that's that's the only way you come to know things. It would be a weakness if we couldn't move on afterwards. Yes, yeah, it's but it's because absolutely. we can say we were wrong, and now we're going to find what's right. Then exactly. we're always the most accurate of anyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the, yeah science has a self-correcting mechanism. I can't remember the guy's name. I think he was a. He was a, a guy running for Senate in the U.S., and he was a, a, oh, a Christian minister. And Let me he, get the banjos. He came out. He came out, and he was. He had a um, a chemistry book uh, from like the local high school, and he looked at. It, he threw it on the table. He goes, "Look at that! Whatever the fundamentals in chemistry, revision seven. And he goes, "See, they just can't get it right." He plopped the Bible down there. Oh. He goes, "Look at that! They got it right right from the start." Oh. He he used that re- revision uh, or that updating uh, reality as the fact that it's just ne- they never get it right, and it was a, a point against it yeah. in his mind. It was quite common. Was, was his Bible in Greek though? So. <laughs> no, no. It was. Hey, look. If uh, English was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was written in the original English, yeah. <laughs> just like Jesus wanted. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we could probably do an entire different podcast on just the kind of kooky stuff that happens in the U.S. politics. Oh, my goodness. So, any more definitions? Or? That was the list. Any that more you that can was think the list? Of? That went by way too fast. <laughs> well, so re- recap the uh, the the, uh, the theme. Is it is it how words are misused, or is it just crazy words? Like what's what? what it's a, it's a uh, scienti- like scientific definitions that you should know because they're very often misused. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And I think uh, 
the problem is that we popular culture takes things, you know, and assumes them for their own and sort of redefines them, which for a lot of words, that's not really a big deal. But if you're talking about scientific terms and if they are being manipulated and used against you as the, you know, your chemistry textbook revision is shows that, that those are used to support a certain worldview that doesn't have, you know, anything else to support it. So, so when they're abused in that way so that they can actually change policy and people can use those words to promote a point of view that, that doesn't have any kind of scientific basis, then, then that's when that's dangerous. And well, I think that's, that's the thing that we have to keep in mind, that accurate definitions and people knowing them, that, you know, the more you know, the the The, the, the perfect example is with the creationists, equal time creationists in the States, right? right? Where they have, well, equal time for opposing theories. Evolution is a theory. The Bible is a theory. So both get equal time. That was the logic. The flaw with that logic was evolution is a theory. The Bible is a hypothesis. So you can say, sure, equal time for every theory, but you have to prove that you're a theory first, right? Well, this is the, this is the, the classic false dichotomy with that is, that, is that evolution is one answer and Genesis is the other. And that there's, there's only two answers. I mean, evolution could be completely wrong. We could find out that it's wrong one day. It doesn't, doesn't verify creation. Right. No, right. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, complete. Yeah, make the Bible right. No. Yeah. But, I, go, go ahead. Oh, well, I, I just wanted to say that, may, uh, would you guys agree that maybe uh, it's, it's correct to say that science doesn't prove something right? It just disproves, uh, I shouldn't say disproves. Well, it just proves what is wrong. In, in statistical analysis, you'll have what they call the null hypothesis, which is the assumption that there's nothing causing this, that it's just no relation between what you're trying to relate. And in order to... No relation between what I'm trying to relate? So, so I have, like, observation... Read, <laughs> what about my random Deepak Chopra quote? Who is most correspond to humble neural networks? <laughs> you have your, your observation, say, like, lots of fish are dying. And then you have your other observation, there's a chemical plant dropping stuff in the water. So you, your hypothesis that you want to promote is that they're related. The null hypothesis is that they're not related. In order to make your hypothesis more valid, you try and disprove the null <coughs> hypothesis. And for every new null hypothesis that you prove wrong, yours looks better and better. Um, and then when you've disproved enough null hypotheses that you're, you're pretty sure yours is right, you try and disprove your own. And so you can't ever really prove something right because y there's a chance that there's some new data that you didn't have. But you can always prove something wrong. Yeah, and that's so what in, science in, does. in science, you subject everything to rigorous testing. And if you can prove that it's not right, then you discard it. And through that process of elimination, you come up with the most likely candidate for the truth. And is it the reason you figure why uh, Christians or religious people in, in, in droves of fight science so hard is because they know that uh, science will not prove uh, God right, but it might prove him wrong. Well, if you made religion undergo rigorous testing, it would most certainly be proven wrong. Yeah, absolutely. This isn't really a, a word, but it's more of a phrase. You touched on it earlier. I think it sort of fits with what we're talking about here in terms of uh, it being misused. Survival of the fittest. It's um, in fact, did Darwin even say that, or that that wasn't coined by Darwin, was it? I don't think it was. Well, that's a good question. I, I don't I'm think it was, sure. but nonetheless, it certainly is a, a um, um, an aspect of evolution. But a lot of creationists try to disprove evolution by saying, 
that's not a good way to run our society. They try to translate it into morality. Yeah, when, when, when that concept is just, it just, it's talking about the mechanisms between how organisms evolve and how they change. And it, that's just saying that's how, it doesn't say how, it's how we humans should create a society, but well, they always make that leap. Evolution yeah. is acting on us right now, whether we like it or not, right? It's a, it's a natural occurrence. But it's the, it's the misuse of that concept and to, to, to yeah, translate it into... Um, that, that's also yeah, a, a misuse sense, yeah. of fittest because that implies that it's just whoever does the worst stuff to make everyone else die so they survive. But in a social environment, the fittest is someone who, who helps others and through that betters themselves so that they can have more kids and be better respected yeah. and less attacked. You know? It's a complete perversion of the whole concept. Anyways, that's that's sort of what I was yeah, trying it, to get it, to. Yeah, yeah. We, that's like the social Darwinism. I, I yeah. That, that, yeah, that, uh, and they say that, you know, we're going to stomp on all the like homeless people or whatever because the fittest would do that but that's besides not understanding the whole theory of evolution you're right it doesn't it's not meant to translate to a social aspect that's not what it is it's on a genetic level Mm -hmm. it's not something that you choose to have happen or anything that you choose to do it's which genes are going to be passed on to your offspring uh, which offspring are going to survive because they have a certain genetic code that allows them to survive it's not ever a choice it's not a choice Mm -hmm. of your actions and even if you even if you you dug in a little bit deeper. I think Liam's point is that it's not likely that the biggest, strongest, toughest, sharpest teeth mm-hmm. person uh, organism is going to be successful. Anyways, it's likely something altruistic is going to be, yeah. uh, you know, more successful. So mm-hmm. it's a complete, it's a complete perversion of that whole concept, yeah. and that's something that's always, yeah. always bothered. Uh, and another thing is that my so one other thing about evolution that needs to be pointed out: uh, evolution is not an answer to bi- uh, a biogenesis. A lot of uh, Christians have a tendency to think evolution explains the origin of life. It does not. No. It just explains the mechanism by which it changes. Creates, it yeah. changes. But yeah. the creation of life is not explained by evolution. Mm-hmm. And they try, to, they, try to, they try to use that as a, a weakness of evolution, but evolution never talks about that. Mm-hmm. Evolution talks about what happens after it started, and it gives the, the process by which that would work, but it doesn't talk about how it started. So it, it can't be indicted for not no, not having that as part of the theory. And since we're talking a bit about the scientific method, too, I think a lot of people don't realize that science starts with observation and then explains. Uh, very often I get the attitude where it's like, oh, well, you came up with evolution, and then you look for a bunch of stuff that supported it, and now you're saying it's right. When in reality, we observed that evolution existed, and then we went to study that and figured out how it worked. Right. Oh, long before long before Darwin, um, the the accepted uh, um, a- explanation was uh, creation, special creation. Now that's the way it was for thousands of years until the observation started not fitting with that. Well, and and he didn't just pull evolution out of a hat either. He observed that you know there were fossils of organisms that no longer live. That you know it looked like continents had drifted. Like he realized that things had no always been as they were now. Yeah. Right. And even people were actually uh, putting evolution to their own purpose before Darwin articulated the theory anyway, because all these things, all these plants that we have hybridized, uh, animals that we have you know, kept the ones that we breeding. want because it's selective breeding, you know, all, all these things are a form of evolution, evolution that we have helped along the way. So it's pretty disingenuous for for people to deny that it exists when when we benefit from it every day mm-hmm. well before we go into the show going into uh, this show going into evolution because it's not a show about that we'll do another <laughs> show about that is there a segment about things that make you go hmm i'd like to have your opinion on this on the this think panel i have with me today did you guys know 
that there is an app now. An app that's called Shut Up Devil. I'm you know, still waiting for the devil to text me. You I know. know. We, we had a show. <laughs> Jeff, I'm you were there for that one, I don't think. Uh, we, uh, we had a show where we uh, found out that a, a priest was complaining. I think it was in, uh, in Portugal, uh, Portugal or something like that. He was complaining that the devil was constantly texting him. I heard that story. <laughs> I heard that story. <laughs> that was just so funny. Did he Did he text back? Well, the I, devil? No, would you did text the, back the, to the devil? Well, I, I mean, yes, I, I would, and I'm still waiting for him to text me. Yeah, I, I would. I, I answer all my texts. <laughs> I don't know if it's an answer to this, but this one here, there's an app that was designed uh, for Apple and Android that offers the power to silence Satan. It was, yeah, of course. It was created by Kyle, oh God, uh, Winkler, and I'm not talking about the pawns here. It's Henry Winkler. He's an evangelist, obviously. Uh, quote, a couple of years ago, I awoke to a series of thoughts and nagging accusations reminding me of my every sin. And uh, apparently he's sure that that wasn't God or angels. And uh, you you think the devil would want to do more than that, right? You think the devil would say, stop accusing you of doing your sins and say, hey, way to go, bud. Do some more of that stuff, right? Yeah, you'd you think. think. No, no. He thought for sure it was. So this guy was convinced that this spirit, this was spiritual warfare. And I should have some kind of wardrobe here, but I don't. And he was being attacked by Lucifer. So he referred to scripture as a way to fight back. Because it says Jesus and Paul and all these guys use scriptures <laughs> and Bible verses out loud to repulse and ward Satan's attack. Vade retro satana. That's okay. This makes me sound good. Get behind me, Satan. That's right. Quantum. <laughs> so apparently uh, this app... <laughs> apparently this app, you can look it up, and you, uh, you can uh, look up verses, you can set alarms and reminders for when you need to read out loud those uh, scripture oh, so passages. Are, these are just like scriptures that are, are particularly good at repelling Satan. Yeah, anti-devil I would, scriptures. I would think so. Anti-devil scriptures. I tried to find the app. I did not find the app. Maybe somebody that's better researcher than me can find it. Um, apparently it's been downloaded by over 9,000 people to date. Do you have to pay for it? I don't know. I haven't found it. I was looking for it. I was, you know, I went on to iTunes and I was looking for... It'll be on the App Store. Yeah, but uh, How I much not would find. you pay to repel the devil? $6.99 cent app? Is it a five ninety dollars No, it's so, six sixty six. Do, do I not need my garlic necklace anymore? Or is that's that's vampire. vampire. Oh, vampire. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so guy, yes, you still need your garlic. Still need that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you, you, any thought on uh, the app? Anybody wants to buy one? or? No, I'm not going to buy it. I'm still but, waiting for Satan to text me. <laughs> well, you'd think you could just like have a Bible with you, and you wouldn't need to buy an app. Yeah, yeah. But it takes a while to flip through those pages, though. What if you have you one know? of those really honky Bibles? Dude, it's huge. You, you can know? get like a little New Testament. That's pretty pocket-sized. Yeah. You could just go talk to the Jehovah Witnesses on the corner every day, and they'd probably repel the devil for you. Yeah, I just think that God is finally trying to catch up to the devil because you know the burning bush thing is like way past it. Yeah, right? that's like, true. Uh, he's trying trying to catch up to the, the 21st century. <coughs> Okay. Jeff's being very quiet. He actually bought that app. <laughs> no, admit it. Well, I can show you how it works. <laughs> oh god. All right. Oh, well, that was that was quick and easy. Uh I guess we'll do uh another another brilliant moment brought to you by religion. Well, I want your opinion on this one. Have you guys ever heard of Gordon Klingenschmidt? Yes, nope. I have. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a wacko. 
Um, he's got his own show, like us, but nowhere near as good as we are. <laughs> and it's called um, Pray in Jesus' Name. Hmm. Yeah, conservative uh, radio, obviously. Um, and he interviewed uh, John McTurnan of USA Prophecy. Uh, now, USA Prophecy, <laughs> when you get a site like that, you know it's going to be good, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you say, uh, so uh, this fellow claims, apparently, that uh, <clears throat> every natural disaster since 1991 is God's wrath. Mm-hmm. Because America is interfering with God's plan for Israel. Mm. Yeah, you you just see the the logic. Right? He says basically <laughs> that the U.S. is pressuring Israel to stop expanding and grabbing land from Palestinians, which of course results in stuff like Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Andrew, the tornado, the tornadoes in Joplin, etc. And uh, of course, these people obviously never heard of climate change. Um, I wonder if you guys have any thoughts on this. What's why what, 1991? What's the, what happened then? I, I you know I don't know why 1991. Uh, the article didn't say, and I couldn't find. But uh, I guess 1991 is when the U.S. started, uh, or Israel might have put a bit more pressure on Palestinians to uh, develop down there. I don't know. Oh well, the, um, the Gulf War started in 1991. Well, there we go. Mm. Maybe that's it. Desert Shield. Yeah. You know I. <sighs> I, I, my first question was, you know, if God is sending tornadoes and storms like that, why is he always angry at uninhabited planets? You know, there's like <laughs> a massive storm on Jupiter right now. And if he's doing this to, uh, you know, to stop the gaze or something like that, I mean, this must, there must be a lot of gaze on well, Jupiter. Well, no, I, I, don't think, I don't think Jupiter ever supported Israel. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've they've question. never come out in in in, in support of Israel. <laughs> what, was it just of. storms no. in the states, or was it storms all over the world? Like, well, you know, Japan being punished because it's not yeah, supporting Israel. Are, like, well, yeah. he, he said the storms, and because the U.S., you know, I, maybe maybe God is punishing the rest of the world with storms because it's the U.S. Is, is this like the thing where the teacher punishes the whole class to get there? At, we go. The one person who you did got it. it. You got it. Now yeah. you understand. Yeah. Yeah. So That's effective. <laughs> <laughs> so is there a massive storm on Uranus right now, you guys figure? <laughs> so so the <laughs> that just went silent. <laughs> the storms are because of the uh, treatment of Israel and the terrorist attacks is because of the US's progressive attitudes towards same sex marriage. That's how that works, right? Yeah, we're never exactly sure. It seems to be either way, you know. Yeah. It seems that as soon as you're doing something that's not exactly in the Bible, there's a storm somewhere. But why doesn't he just say, like, maybe don't do that? Like, a storm is a very kind of passive-aggressive, not really getting at the root of the issue way of dealing You're with right. this. You're right. That is very passive-aggressive. Well, this is why I prefer Zeus. Because Zeus, at least, you know, would throw a thunderbolt at you. He'd hit one person, you know, instead of sending a storm. I mean, come on. But you it's think way more precise. The, the mm. thing is, God used to do that. He used to talk to Moses. He used to talk to specific people. Why does he not do that anymore? Oh, well... <laughs> This is funny because you got a religious uh, uh, denomination, which, oh God, which one is it? I forget now. But they, they they came over that moment by saying that God used to speak to people before Jesus came. But now since Jesus came, we have the Word, and God doesn't need to talk to us anymore. We should be big enough to figure it out on our own. Oh. It's a great way to get over this, right? Mm. Well, that that, hap- that happens with the mafia as well. When the guys are at the <laughs> beginning, they're actually, you know, they're putting out their own hits, they're giving out their own orders. But once you get to a certain level, you don't talk to anybody. All your directions come through your underlings. That's 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 uh, organization 101 for those big, powerful organizations. So. Oh. 
<laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, so you're that saying God is like the mafia? <laughs> yeah, he's like uh, Don. He's and Don, now. yeah, Don Corleone. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't talk to anybody. Ah. Oh, goodness. So then is like the, the Pope is now like the, the next down, is like a henchman? And I'm not sure because he's doing a lot of talking. He's saying Pope Frank says a lot of things. In fact, this should be a topic of, an, of one of your shows. I don't think Pope Frank is actually a Christian. I think he may be an atheist. Oh, I don't know. I think, well, to do a bit of a tangent here, I think I think the Pope is has a wonderful, wonderful spin machine behind him, and he everybody's like uh, enamored with the guy. But when you look at the policies of the church, they haven't really changed. You know, Africa is still you know rife with people saying that oh no no AIDS is bad, but you know condoms are worse. Uh, so he looks like he's doing a lot of change. He's making these big big proclamation on the on the surface that makes the press real quick, but after that it goes back to Mm-hmm. Well, how much can a pope do? I mean, I mean, like, look at Barack Obama too. He's got a lot of neat ideas, and, and but there's very little he can do. He can't. One man, even in the highest office, can't completely change a whole organization or a whole system. It, but it's step one. It's step one, right? It would seem like the pope could just like ask God to fix it, though. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> yeah. He, what is it? Uh, speaking what do they? What did Christopher Hitchens call him? Um, uh, God's vicar on earth or something? The vicar of Christ. Vicar of Christ? Yeah, that's what the, the Pope, Pope is supposed, supposed to be. The Pope is supposed to have a, a direct line to God, isn't he? Like, yeah, that's what I thought. Hmm. I, I heard an interesting, or read an interesting thing. A woman uh, interviewed Pope Frank, and um, she asked him about his views on women in the church and if that was going to change, if they'd be able to become priests, so to speak. And And he just blew it off. He laughed, and then he said, well, you know, Women always have the power because they they uh, basically tell their husbands how to think or tell, you know, the the housekeeper at the Vatican can sort of tell the priests what to think and they're going to change their mind and and uh, listen to her. That, that was basically the premise of what he said. You and, can't uh, handle the truth. Uh, I mean, that was an argument that was given against women getting the vote too. Oh, well, you know, you just you can tell your husband how to vote and that's what he'll do. Give me a freaking break. W- women are allowed to <laughs> women are allowed to vote? Yeah. Really? How did we lose that one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally kidding. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> we totally lost that bit. <laughs> no, that was a good thing. It was a good thing because we need to win. Thanks and for I clarifying that. Yes, yes. Like otherwise, it was, uh, questionable. Wow. No, no, not questionable at all. I was just receiving a word from God. There, it was just sending, yeah. God uses Morse code. He does. He's catching up. He's catching up. <clears throat> Slowly but surely. Although I can't, I don't know how to decrypt Morse code. So all he says is da dee da dee da. Well, that was all right. Anyway. That was an enlightened show, wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this kind of degraded. <laughs> hey, are you saying our show is not going to evolve and we're going to basically oh, fail? Here, here's another definition: devolve. De- okay, oh. species do not devolve; they evolve. Because evolution always goes towards whatever makes you best able to survive. It doesn't necessarily make you more intelligent or prettier, but it makes you better able to survive. So there's no de-evolution. It's always just evolution. So so mm-hmm. let's go over things that can devolve. Uh, conversations. <laughs> radio shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially this one. <laughs> oh, goodness. I guess it's time for my rant. <laughs> Oh, uh, boy. Well, speaking of evolution, I had this wonderful encounter. You guys are going to love this. Um, 
In my never-ending quest to understand the universe, and as such ourselves, we often stumble upon interesting individuals, just like in the show, <laughs> whose worldviews have me scratching my head. Although well-meaning, this quote-unquote witness of the divine insisted on debating me on the merits of Charles Darwin's theory of evolution. As most of us have learned, the scientific theory of evolution and natural selection is at the base of the diversity of the flora and fauna on our little blue marble in space, and reached consensus eons ago by a scientific community as the explanation of biodiversity, including a remarkable species of primate, Homo sapiens. Evolution isn't true anyway. It's just a theory. Now, the comment took me aback. I had been religious. If I had been religious, I might have been tempted to call blasphemy. It took me a second to recollect myself from the incredulous gaze I must have offered her, and then realized that the conversation had gone into semantics. And although well-intentioned, she didn't understand what a scientific theory meant. It's a common mistake and one easily rectifiable by anybody with a high school education or explainable if you don't. As Liam told us today, a theory is defined as a proposed explanation whose status is still conjectural, while a scientific theory is a well-substantiated explanation of some aspect of the natural world, based on knowledge that has been repeatedly confirmed through observation and experimentation. That works for you? Yeah, he nods. In other words, our witness friend thought that the, the theory of evolution had nothing, was nothing more than an educated, unproven guess. An easy mistake, for sure, but this educated guess in science is called a hypothesis. And that's from the French, meaning based or under, plus thesis. It was coined around 1640. Is it all coming back to you now? Once the hypothesis had been formulated, tested over and over, reproduced in laboratory experiments, peer-reviewed and accepted by the scientific community, it is then called a theory. We now know more about evolution than electricity. Yet I doubt that anybody would refute the existence of electricity. Except for the religious community, evolution is simply a fact, one that we can observe either in the fossil record or on a smaller time scale within bacteria and viruses. My grandfather wasn't a monkey, she said in a rather indignant tone. Of course not, but the evidence clearly points out to a common ancestry with apes and all primates. But extended on a time scale of a few million years, it becomes easy to see the chronological ascension into what we are today. Even in one lifetime, we constantly change and evolve. Can you pinpoint exactly what moment you stopped being an infant and became a kid, or a teen, an adult, or a senior? Evolution is a gradual process, from Australopithecus afarensis to Homo sapiens, and projection in the future, where science tells us that our species will undergo much transformations. Will we then be able to call ourselves sapiens, or will we need a new designation? Life is always in motion and change. It has been our adaptability to change that has allowed us to survive this far. Our minds, too, need to adapt to change. Otherwise, our fate will be the same as the dinosaurs. <laughs> what? Species do not evolve. Evolution only acts upon oh. the uh, <laughs> larger <Yeah>. group. <laughs> Oh, like you, an individual doesn't change. All right, fine, fine. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm not good. Scratch everything I said. I quit the show. I'm running over. The, I'm giving this to Liam. This is Liam's show now. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Evolution acts on the, the family, not on the individual. Because <sighs> you need multiple generations for evolution to happen. <laughs> you know, you could have waited until the show was done. 
point of that stuff. No, no. Everyone needs to know that, right? It's whether or not I have kids, not how I change during my no, lifetime. If you want to send your hate mail, you can That's send That's epigenetics. Liam Look up epigenetics. Liam, I'd left the Thank you, Liam, for being here. Thank you, Jeff, for being here. We really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, and uh, we got some stuff coming up. Jeff, you got some stuff coming up too, right? Uh, I'm guessing you're talking about the lecture? Yeah, or, you got the lecture. And yeah, uh, September 20th at UFV, uh, 2, 2 p.m., we have a debate between Richard Carrier and Michael Horner. The debate question is, did Jesus exist? And we are continuing to work on our village, so uh, keep tuned to that. And uh, hopefully the city will give us um, the temporary use permit and allow us to build the village. Yay! Looking forward to that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I guess that's it for our show. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, you can always uh, look at our website, leftatthevalley.com. You can always send us an email, uh, leftatvalleyatoutlook.com. Thank you guys for being here. And uh, I guess we guys will see you next time. See you next time. See you later. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.